C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know, I had an idea. <laughs> Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know, I had an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Glad to have you with us here on a terrible Tuesday edition. That's right. Tuesday, of course, the day we get to vet our frustrations, but really, don't we do that every day? Sure, because there's always so much to vent about. But Tuesday, our dedicated day for that. Today on the show, Chris Bosio is going to join us, the former flamethrower, Major League Baseball, no hitter, but he couldn't beat T.C. Martin in high school. Couldn't happen. Couldn't do Lies. it. No matter what he says. No, he admits it. He just wants to try to say that he got a triple off me. Never happened. Like I told him so many times, and he brings it up, that he that fat ass couldn't roll around second get to third. What are you talking about? Oh! He may not come on today. <laughs> you just ruined it right I, there. I did. My guy, Chris Bosio. He will join us today, talk a little Major League Baseball, second half of the season. We got baseball to talk about. Mark Anderson is going to join us from the Las Vegas Review Journal. As uh, Mark uh, wrote a story earlier today in the RJ that talks about the Las Vegas has another sports franchise. So we'll talk about that with Mark Anderson today. Do you know what that is, Numchuck? Are you well aware? No. You know, oh, good. Then you're going to have to. I'm going to listen. You're gonna, yeah, you listen. listen. That's it. Sit in your little corner and listen while we. Talk about that today. I'm gonna sit behind the glass. Yeah. Got any got any guesses? No. We have a new sports team. <gasps> Do we? Yeah, we have a new sports team <gasps> coming to town. Is it owned by The Rock? <laughs> 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 yeah, The Rock. The Rock is the owner. Exactly. He's uh, the owner of more than just one team. Well, Rock's not the owner. Rock is just kind of the face, the face of the XFL. All right, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, some breaking news that uh, we start the show on here today. And no, I'm not going to call TJ Reeves because he already called me and wanted to come on. I said, we'll save you for tomorrow. We have no time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the news again, signing Julio Jones to a contract, a one-year deal. Julio Jones, the rich get richer. Now, Julio Jones, a guy that was injured for a good portion of the season last year with the Tennessee Titans, long career with Alabama, great career, or rather a great college career at Alabama, had a long NFL career with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we thought that it was over for Julio Jones, but being the ring chaser that he is, like many are, he decided to team up with Tom Brady on a one-year deal, and he will go to Tampa. Now, the question is, there is only one football still, right? So I don't know how you're going to share that, you know, with guys like, you know, Mike Williams and, you know, 
Godwin. And I'll be the first to say Julio it. Jones. Oh, yeah. Gronk's coming back. It, it, Gronk's Gronk not coming back. Cameron yes, Bright. You know, he's going to have a breakout year. Gronk's coming back. Gronk's going to retire because he doesn't want to go to practice. He, he doesn't want to do the the OTAs. Well, and stuff. I know. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he wants to play in games only. Yeah. That, that's not going to fly. Now, I think Gronk is at peace. Now, as we've talked about before, this could all change in a heartbeat. But I think I think he's content. I mean, he's content. He doesn't need to work out anymore. Doesn't need to keep you know get in shape because even if you're just going to show up for games, you you got to start working out. Got to take care of your body and. You got to get to bed on time. I think Gronk has said, you know, enough of that already. I put my time in. I'm done with football. Let him just go out and have a good time. All right. So, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Julio Jones now. Interesting. Interesting. So, TJ Reeves will likely join us tomorrow <laughs> to talk about that and. Everything else, all Tampa, as uh, they are getting ready to start training camp. So the Raiders have been in training camp for over a week. Jacksonville Jaguars, about that uh, same amount of time. Of course, they're the first two because they are going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. Everyone else is showing up today. And I guess a good way to start Terrible Tuesday. Did you see how Aaron Rodgers arrived at Packers training camp today? No. Yeah. Rolled into Lambeau Field today. And I really didn't understand it, but a lot of the media are making a big deal about it. And you can go on Twitter and check it out, Numbchuck. Um, apparently, he walked in, and you know, had the the long hair, had this uh, really weird walk as he walked in, had his bag and dropped it. And apparently, it, he was supposed to be imitating Nicolas Cage and Con Air. Did you ever see Nicolas Cage and Con Air? I remember seeing the movie, what, 20 years ago? But why would he imitate that? That's my question. I don't know. It was strange. It was weird where he had his little backpack and he just dropped it. Yeah, I, I watched it. I saw, I saw it happen. But where's the reference to Con Air and something about not showering or something like that? I don't, I don't understand it. But anyway... A lot of people having fun with that as he rolled up to Lambeau Field right there. I know that parking space right there. Now, I'll say this. At least number four, when number four rolled into Lambeau Field, he had his own parking spot in the tunnel, not outside. Okay? So he's out there parking with the ham and eggers out there. Good ham and eggers over in Green Bay. So do you understand this Con Air thing, what he's trying to do? Not a clue. Not a clue. I, I, You're probably it, too young for Con Air. Anyway. No, I, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I've yeah. seen it a bunch. I just haven't seen it. So I guess Nicolas Cage has that look with that T-shirt, yes. with that type of hair, with the the motions, and dropped his bag there. I guess that's what that's all about. Yeah. There it is. The wife beater. Yeah. He's, in, he's a Nicolas Cage fan. I guess you got to do something. And then what? Tom, and we'll talk to TJ Reeves about this. Tom Brady shows up shirtless. And it's funny. Remember when Antonio Brown came to training camp in Napa with the Raiders a few years ago via the hot air balloon? So this is a thing, I guess. 
And I don't understand why guys like Antonio Brown needs the attention. He's a goofball. But Rodgers, well, again, needs the attention. Goofball. Wouldn't think he would, but he does. Brady? Brady just having fun? Or what, what's he doing? Why, why do we need ring entrances to come to training camp? Brady is just being Brady. Brady's being Brady. I guess so. There you go. Terrible Tuesday. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, in the NFL... Arizona gives Kyler Murray a five-year contract extension. We talked about that the other day. The deal for $230.5 million includes $160 million guaranteed, but there's more to the contract. In the contract, they had to add an addendum into the contract saying that Kyler Murray is required to do film study. Hmm. Let's think about this for a while. He's required to do film study. Wouldn't that really be part of the job? You know, when you get your job description of of being a first-round pick in the NFL draft and play the quarterback position and be the face of the franchise, the leader of the offense, wouldn't you say that, okay, I think film study is probably normally part of the deal, not just for quarterbacks, not for the leader, not for the captain, but for... Anyone that wants to make an NFL roster, right? But apparently, Kyler Murray has had a little bit of problem of studying for his opponents. Now, the clause is labeled the Independent Study Addendum. You like this? Independent Study Addendum. What is he, taking a night class at some high school or some university here? Murray is required to do film study for four hours per week. Now, according to the contract, Murray will need to study material provided to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game. Novel idea. Murray will receive credit, credit, for completing his film study. According to the contract, however, the addendum does state that the time that Murray spends in mandatory meetings, studying does not count. That's, I guess, implied that you should be doing that already, right? Like all of this. And he will not receive credit if he does not personally study the provided materials in good faith. (laughs) Now, failure to meet the addendum requirements will mean that Murray will be deemed to be in default. Lawyer talk here. He'll be deemed to be default of his contract per the wording in the agreement. The addendum kicks in this season and lasts all the way through 2028. So here's the bottom line. He is being treated like a seven-year-old. All right? Even Pop Warner quarterbacks don't have this, like, okay, make sure you go study four hours a week. But for Kyler Murray, not only does he have to do this this year, but he is now basically confined to his room and on a timeout and making sure that he studies four hours per week for each opponent through the next six years. What does this tell you? What does this tell you? 
It tells you there's a problem here. There's a problem with Kyler Murray. There's a problem in Arizona. Uh, tells you that someone's been lagging on his game prep. Huh. Maybe that's why he hasn't really looked that good with this Cardinal team, right? Now, we've heard teams requiring or using incentives for players to attend OTAs, training camp, all that stuff, right? Especially the OTAs where you get paid. Hey, we want you to come, you know, just be with the team, learn the offense, learn the system, okay? And we'll pay you. We'll pay you $300,000, $400,000 if you just commit to, to come into these OTAs. Can you please do it? And we'll pay you to do it, right? But for some team to actually put this in a contract for in-season requirements, This isn't just unusual. This is unprecedented. Never have we seen this before, but this is the culture. This is the society that we have nowadays, and this should tell you what kind of student or what kind of player or what kind of teammate Kyler Murray is. So we're both movie buffs, right? Yes. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Are they going to treat him like that? (laughs) You know, three weeks into the season, he's not watching film. Are they going to hold his eyes open? Are they going to do all that? Oh, that's a good sci-fi it's a right great, there. It's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is what that, this tells me. This is that you need to pay attention. Pay attention, student, because you haven't been doing it yet. Unprecedented. Go to your room and study. You have to tell a first-round pick to go do this. Unbelievable. All right, uh, speaking of unbelievable, what's happened with the Cleveland Browns? Well, they're getting ready to start training camp now, and they signed Josh Rosen to a contract. Remember last week they were trying to decide who they're going to you know, sign to back up here? All right, here is your quarterback room right now in Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett, Josh Rosen, Josh Dobbs. You may remember Josh Dobbs was a ham and egg quarterback out of Tennessee about six years ago. Been, you know, bopping around the league for a little bit. Oh, did I mention Deshaun Watson? Well, I probably shouldn't mention Deshaun Watson because we don't think he's going to be playing, right? But he is in camp. He's thinking he's going to be the starting quarterback. The Browns probably have no idea. But how's this? Okay, let's just say Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, which we firmly believe he is whether it's six games, eight games, ten games, a whole season, whatever it is, that means you are going into this season with Jacoby Brissett, Josh Rosen, and Josh Dobbs. Good luck, Cleveland Browns. Rosen, remember this guy out of UCLA, number 10 pick in 2018, last played for Atlanta last year, completing two of 11 passes with two interceptions. He completed just as many passes to the opponent than he did his own team. Man, I you know I'm hoping that Deshaun Watson does get suspended just for for all of the reasons that we've talked about before. Thinking that you can get away with this nonsense, and then that you could buy out you know these women, and then put the Browns in this predicament and, and shame on Cleveland because they're the ones that did it to themselves, right? Getting rid of your number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield, which was nothing wrong. Again, Mayfield's not a top four or five quarterback, but he's not a bottom-tier quarterback. He's better than what you got right now because what you have right now is no Deshaun Watson. Is You got brisket man, rosin bag, and dobblehead. That's what you got. Clockwork Orange.
what you got. <laughs> oh, massage. Hold on. Turn out the lights, please. Everybody breathe deep. Where's my yoga instructor? Yes. A little to the left. A little to the right. Happy ending time! Where's the happy ending time? Pump it up! Where's our happy ending music? We move from this to happy ending because it can snap just like that, Numchuck. Just like that. Attention! Yes! Deshaun Watson, where are you at? Oh. <laughs> Nothing like a happy ending. You will not have any happy endings in the Cleveland Browns. Forget about it. Disastrous season. Sing it, Charlie! All right, moving on. The XFL is back. And guess what? It's back in Vegas. Kind of. Sort of. Let me explain. The XFL had a major announcement on Sunday that Las Vegas is one of the eight cities that will be part of the league that starts next February. Now, let's go back to our XFL history, right? This will be the third rendition of the XFL. They tried it in 20, uh, you know, uh, 2020 when they went half of a season. And remember, that was 19 years earlier they tried it, and they did it here in Vegas. Merrill kicked it off with He Hate Me and the nonsense with Vince McMahon, and this is the XFL. All the other nonsense, you know, the gimmicks that they had, you know, guys running into each other to determine who's going to get the opening kickoff. At midfield there at Sam Boyd Stadium. Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to try it again. And this time it's back with The Rock as being the face of the franchise. All right. There's a lot to unpack here. So remember, third rendition of the XFL, 2001, 2020, they played half a season, and they filed for bankruptcy. They filed for bankruptcy a year ago. Now, here's some more oddities. Seven of the eight teams have a home stadium in place, except one. Who might that be? I believe that would be us. That would be Las Vegas, the only one that doesn't have a stadium. And you wonder, wait a minute, this is the sports and entertainment capital of the world. We have plenty of venues. What are you talking about? You got $2 billion Allegiant Stadium. Not so fast, my friends, as Lee Corso would say with his pencil in his hand. All right. They would... The Las Vegas franchise, and I say the franchise because there's no team name yet, no players yet, but they have a team, but they have no place to play. They would like to play in the Legion Stadium, but not so sure the Raiders are going to be willing to share their stadium with anyone, let alone an XFL team. They may be asking for too much money, the Raiders, so a little pause is put on there. Or maybe it could be because Allegiant Stadium would rather get some decent crowds in here. I mean, it is a concert season, right? From May and through August. I mean, come on. We've got international soccer games that we just took place last Friday and Saturday. Huh? I mean, Barcelona was in town. Real Madrid drew 61,000. How many are you going to draw for an XFL game, huh? Other options? If Allegiant Stadium doesn't work out? Sam Boyd Stadium? Not, because that's no longer in use. 
They've closed it down. So you can't go there. How about the home of the Aviators, the Las Vegas ballpark? Can be converted to play football. Aviators, probably not too keen about that. Oh, by the way, their season, you know, got Big League Weekend is in March. Then, of course, they're playing baseball there in April. The XFL season is going to go from February until June, July, right? Um, oh, by the way, we don't know how long it goes because the schedule has not been created yet. They're still not sure how many games are going to be played. This is a mess. So they announced that Las Vegas has a team, but doesn't have a stadium. Hmm, how smart is that? There are other unknowns. Team name? Don't have one. Team colors? Don't have any. They will play here, but they will not practice here. And you're going, what? Well, of course, they don't have a stadium, right? No, 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 no. Even if they had a stadium, they're not going to practice here. All XFL teams will practice in Dallas. That's right. And you're going to fly into Las Vegas for your occasional home game on a stadium that you don't have. Wearing uniforms that you don't have. Playing for a team name that you don't have. But you do have a head coach. Yes, we do. Rod Woodson is your head coach. Now, Rod's never been a head coach before, but he has been... An assistant with the Raiders. So, yeah, you do have a head coach. Uh, you do have a director of player personnel. Okay. And you do have someone else that's kind of running the business side. But, yes, the XFL, there's no team president, no general manager, because all that is being run by the office. And, yes, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is the face of the league here. Now, there's more to the story, my friends. Tickets are available. Even though there's no team no team name, no team colors. Oh, and there's no stadium. So how am I going to purchase tickets? How am I going to pick out my seats? Don't worry about it. We just want your money. Go to XFL.com and make a $50 deposit on season tickets. Oh, by the way, you should know this. They're non-refundable, by the way. That's right. So how do we even know this thing is going to happen? Are you going to pluck down 50 bucks? With a pipe dream that says, well, they made an announcement. The Rock said so, that they're playing here, but there's no stadium, no team name, no nothing here. Oh, and by the way, they did go bankrupt last year. Do you want to get a send a $50 deposit to a team that you're not even sure is going to play that went in a league that went bankrupt last year that has failed miserably on two occasions? But there is one good sign about this. If you do that $50 deposit for season tickets, you get something. You get 20% off all purchases at the XFL gift shop. I'm running right now. Let's go. Wherever it is. Oh, I got to go to Dallas. I don't know where it is. Probably Dallas. I think it's online. I think it's virtual. But you're used to... You know, sending money to strangers that you don't know. Online. And online and getting some type of favors in return. Numchuck. Why do we need this? Why do we have to go through this? It's embarrassing. You saw the USFL fail miserably, play, doing all this nonsense in Birmingham, Alabama, and they're going to go for it again. I want to know the person that is going to call and order season tickets and put down a 50% deposit. Unbelievable. They're selling shirts. 
They're selling shirts. You see that shirt? I see the shirt. It's a white shirt. It says XFL in the, the back uh, or the top, and then it says Las Vegas with a couple arrows. XFL Las Vegas. $25 shirts. $25 shirts with the Las Vegas what? Blanks. Absolutely nothing. No, you notice that it, it's, a, it's a white shirt with black writing, no trim, as generic as you can possibly get. Every shirt, or every every team has one of those shirts. <laughs> of course they do. So now, question yeah. for you. Yes. Do they play at Gorman? So I was going to say that, too. You're going to have to be relegated to playing at a high school. But the XFL is not going to go for a team playing in a, a high school field, especially when the other seven teams have got stadium deals and playing in NFL or college-type stadiums. No. But Vegas is unique in the sense that you have a $2 billion stadium, and the stadium where UNLV was playing for the past 35-plus years is now not operable. It's still there, but you can throw a monster truck show, I think, in there. But they said it's not for use for football. But why not? 30,000. How many people are you going to get in there? Maybe 10 max? It's going to be are you going to get more, Are you going to get more people at a UNLV game or XFL game? What are you going to get? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a toss-up, right? That's a pick em. Stop with this nonsense. But we will hear more about this from our, our guest coming up, Mark Anderson, shortly. All right. More baseball nonsense. Major League Baseball is testing the pie slice. The what? The pie slice. That's right, I said. The pie slice. Yes. We're talking banana cream. You're talking about apple. You're talking about peach. French silk. Oh, French silk is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is nice. What is this? They are going to ban. Well, they're not going to. They're doing it now, immediately. Happened this past week. Banning the infield shift. This will be tested in the minors, or is being tested in the minors. And the uh, Florida State League, that sounds like the penitentiary that uh, Paul Crew was in with the longest yard. Uh, the Florida State League will limit defensive shifts by drawing chalk lines in a pie-shaped form from second base to the outfield grass. And it starts now. There it is. You are like we, that? Are we at least starting shape. it in the minors? It's in the minors. It's in double A and single A right now. It happened this past week. Pie-shaped. I don't know what this looks like. See if you can get me a diagram. I'm looking right now. I know you are. Uh, Yes. The pie slice. All right. The pie slice prohibits infielders from the marked areas before the pitch is thrown. All right. Now, this is an experiment. Why? Because we're tired of too many balls that would be normally hits and have been hits in the past that are now outs. They're tired of runs not being scored. This is all in hopes of increasing more run scoring. Now, Major League Baseball has been testing this out at the AA and the Class A level, requiring teams to have four players on the infield. That would be two on the left and two on the right, meaning... Normal baseball, right? There you go. Third base, shortstop on the left side. Second base, first base on the right side. Yeah. But they're seeing so many, much of the shifts that they're going with the pie slice now, which is like chalk marks going from second base 
going out like a V-shaped towards left center and right center field. It's the most ridiculous thing that I've seen. So, they don't want defense. They don't want strategy. It works both ways, you know. If a team wants to use four outfielders or if they want to shift everyone to the left uh, to the right side and leave the the left side open, how about this? Go the other way. Hit the, the ball to the opposite field or lay down a bunt. How about that? How about let's use that strategy to your advantage. How about that? Does that make some sense? We do it in basketball. We see out there a, a team that wants to go boxing one, diamond and one. Okay, no problem. Beat it. A team wants to play 2-3 zone? Go ahead and beat it. Man, ridiculous. Uh, we do it in football, right? Send blitzes, right? Bring in extra defensive backs. We going to abolish that in football? No, you don't. How about baseball? Baseball's already done it. With the openers, we're going to start our reliever. Yeah, we're going to put our worst pitcher out there to start the game, and then we're going to start going through the bullpen. Well, how do you punish those clowns? You start banging the hell out of the relievers, and then you make a team use six or seven pitchers in the game. That's how you do that. You don't conform the rules and say, now we're going to you know, ban the shift, and we're going to draw diagrams of, of pies in the outfield or in the infield. Come on. Baseball is getting more and more ridiculous. We don't need to draw lines on the field. It's a disgrace to the game. And we'll talk more about this with our next guest coming up a little bit later in Chris Basio. There it is. All right. And we'll leave you with this. Our good friend Tyson Fury says he will fight Anthony Joshua under one condition. Now, this really isn't a terrible Tuesday. But I had to talk about this because this is a great story, all right? Tyson Fury will fight Anthony Joshua. Remember, Tyson Fury is retired. He's 32-0-1 with 23 knockouts. But he said he will fight Joshua for free. For free. Now, earlier this summer, Fury said that he claimed the only way that he would come out of retirement was for a $5 million purse. Now, in a drastic shift, Fury said that he'll step aside... uh, you put the money aside. He will step inside those ropes for a bout with Joshua because he doesn't like him. He does. He, he wants to be the king of all kings. He, he's been wanting to fight this guy for the last six years. The guy has ducked him, but he says he'll do it for free. Now, we know that Tyson Fury has enough money. He's retired early at age. Many people don't even believe that he really will retire. But this is very intriguing. Here's his quote. He goes, That's how the fight happens. I'll sign the contract today. The fight's got to be for free. Free on-air television. All tickets go for free. No money is to be made out of this British historic fight if it happens. There are the terms. I'm in the driver's seat. Take it or leave it. The ball is in your court, guys. Either way, I don't give a damn. In other words, he'll stay retired. He's fine with it. But if you're going to do this, let's give the British public something that they could be proud of. Let Tyson Fury be the big guy. So you ask yourself, why would Tyson Fury do this? Just because of that. He has been known as the best face of boxing. When you've had yahoos like Floyd Mayweather Jr. and you've had guys like Conor McGregor in the UFC, Tyson Fury wants to be that guy that shakes hands, kiss babies, as he has. 
does all kinds of media, does all kinds of charity, charity work, right? And he says, I made enough money. I'll fight Joshua for free. He'll go down in history as being the most popular boxer in the world. Who else would do this? Him. But now the pressure's on Anthony Joshua because, of course, he's not going to do it. And Anthony Joshua would lose the fight as well, too. So I love this story. But it'll probably never happen. And we need this story in sports. We need this story in boxing. Because to have a guy who's the most popular fighter and the most successful fighter in the world right now, the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, to say, I will fight for free, give away free tickets, and pack nearly 100,000 in Wembley Stadium, that's awesome. And I do believe that he would do it. Nobody else would do it. Anthony Joshua is not going to do it. But I think Tyson Fury would. But obviously he can't fight himself. So it takes two to tango. So here we go. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, total contradiction of Fury being, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he wanted to, you know, only come out of retirement for $500 million. So uh, an about face here with Tyson Fury. I hope it happens. All right. If you got any terrible Tuesday takes, hit me on Twitter at tcmartin Twenty One. And uh, we continue on here today with Chris Bosio will join us a little bit later on. Mark Anderson is going to join us when we come back as we talk about the XFL in Vegas. I'll give you more than a word. I'll give you something that goes like this. A long, long time ago, I can still remember. How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widow bride. Something touched me deep inside the day. The music died. All together now! So My story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. Back to more non-stop sports talk with the doctor. Uh, all right, well, so it was real quiet. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That's the point. Go, go, go. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, uh, yes, it is a uh, terrible Tuesday, and... Mark Anderson joins us now from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and he wrote a, a great article regarding the XFL this morning. Uh, good stuff there, Mark. What's going on, my friend? Doing all right, TC. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so much to talk about here. We've got Raiders, UNLV on the horizon here. Um, they're ready to uh, to get uh, involved uh, into camp here with Marcus Arroyo and company, but 
it caught my eye, Mark. It caught my eye so much when I was reading the XFL story that I just had to talk about it during our terrible Tuesday segment. And I wanted to dive in a little bit more with this with you. The XFL returning to Vegas, and I just have to start with this, Mark. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think probably a couple reasons. One, they really didn't want to go into the USFL markets. I think there's only one overlap. Uh, they're in, in, I think both leagues are in Houston. Um, so, like, for example, in 2020, they had a, they had a team in Tampa Bay. Uh, well, the USFL has a Tampa Bay team, so now the, the XFL's in Orlando. So, And I think they wanted to – I think a lot of the USFL teams are more more in the south and east – and the so the XFL felt probably felt like you'd have more of a Western presence, and and you know with Las Vegas' emergence as a sports city, I think they also see this is a good time to come into the market, and uh, and try to capitalize on on the, on the growth of sports here. So I have a you know a couple questions here, especially from a procedural standpoint. So they make an announcement on Sunday of the cities that they're going to be playing in. And, of course, they want to be in Las Vegas. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, for so many reasons, right? But who agrees to this from the Las Vegas side? And who signs off on this from Vegas? And we'll get into all the other nuances and the other question marks because there are so many question marks when you don't have a stadium affiliation and everything else here. But they make an announcement that, okay, yeah, you know, Vegas is part of our deal. How did it get to this point? And I want to know who signed off that. Yes, Vegas, we're an XFL franchise. Well, I don't know. You know, I think it's not so much. I think they have to reach an agreement with the Raiders if they don't play the Legion, Raiders and, and local officials. And so it's really strange that they haven't done that. And uh, I don't know what that means necessarily. I, I'm thinking, my guess is the XFL had this date that we're going to announce these cities on this date. And they probably made these plans months ago and figured everything would be in place. And whatever reason, is things are being held up at the Legion Stadium. So uh, I guess they feel comfortable, confident enough there's going to be a team here. Uh, and I think they must feel they're far enough along the talks will be at the Legion Stadium, but it's not done yet. And why it's not done, I cannot tell you. So no home for this team right now, no team name, um, no team colors, no anything. But the the big part here, Mark, as you know, and you wrote about it, is Allegiant Stadium. Now you think that, okay, they, they would play there, So, but the Raiders do hold all the cards here. What do you think the possibility is that an XFL team does play in Allegiant Stadium? And what is the Raiders' stance on this? I don't. I don't know what the Raiders' stance is. I I've tried to uh, find out what their stance is, and I really don't know what it is. Uh, I do. I do know uh, the Raiders' current management team. The wish, not the Raiders so much. I should say the stadium. It's not fair to say the Raiders. The the stadium management team, uh, from what I've heard, tries to drive a hard bargain uh, in general, not just this situation. And so. Which you know, you, you, if they're if if uh, if they're just trying to get the biggest bang for the buck, it's it's hard to blame them. Uh, but that might be what the holdup is, and and we'll and the Raiders have a new president, and we'll see how quickly she gets involved uh, in these discussions if she isn't already. 
and uh, and and uh, move things along. And and maybe they got enough indications from her already. They felt they could make this announcement, uh, even if they didn't have everything finalized. So that that could be where things stand too. Now we know the XFL called Sam Boyd Stadium home going back to twenty plus years ago, and that's not even an option anymore because. That is not operable, right? And a lot of people probably don't know this, Mark. But you know, uh, what is going on with Sam Boyd? What you say it's not operable, but what is what does that mean? Just no events are there. Period. Are they going to tear it down? What's what's going on? Why wouldn't that be an option if you can't reach a deal with uh, the Raiders? Because it's in the contract uh, that it can you can have can't have events out there uh, with the Weegee Stadium. That was part of the Weegee Stadium contract. Um, so that's that made Sam Boyd uh, uh, not an option for anything. The, the reason why they had those uh, handful of games during the height of the pandemic was because they didn't have fans out there. So uh, that that wasn't a problem. But you can't have an event where people are paying to go into uh, because it's considered competition for Allegiant Stadium, and that goes against the contract. So I don't know what's going to happen with Sam Boyd Stadium. Um, I talked to someone recently, and nothing really seems to be happening as far as any kind of real decision making is going on. So, I I don't know. Um, you would think at some point, you know, we would sell the property and someone would come in and tear tear it down and put up, um, you know, maybe housing or, or something like that out there. Uh, but nothing, as far as I've heard, has happened. It's happened with Sam Boyd, and I don't know when anything's going to happen with Sam Boyd. You know, that is pretty ridiculous in the sense where, okay, if you have an event that you can't fill 60,000, maybe you can't even fill 20,000, okay, go to Sam Boyd, whether it's for the Rugby Sevens or whether it's for anything. I don't care, lingerie football or, or a situation like this, whether it was USFL, XFL, something like that, or a concert or whatever. You're saying that they can't hold any events there because of Allegiant Stadium. And that really seems weird because, as we know, even though you have, like, T-Mobile Arena, of course you can go to MGM, you can go to Mandalay Bay, you can go to, you know, anywhere else. It just seems very strange that a a stadium like Allegiant would have that kind of power over any other venue. Yeah, well, I mean, that was that was the whole agreement. I, that was part of why uh, they got the stadium built. Um, so... Um, but yeah, it, it, that was that was in the contract. So it's uh, so you basically have to tear it down. I mean, because there's you're saying that yeah. I mean, there's nothing that you could hold there. Nothing. We can we can we hold a four H meeting out there? Well, as long as you're not paying people, you know, people aren't paying to come in. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> well, of course it's it's locked up right now. So good luck getting in there. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, when like, New Mexico and Hawaii played some games out there, right. In 2020, it was because they there were no fans, so there was no competition, and uh, so. Um, but yeah, if now if those teams decided to make that their second home and start charging people, then that that wouldn't be allowed. So let's say this, Mark. Let's say the Raiders say nope. Uh, we don't want anybody else in that stadium, let alone another football team. What are the other options? Uh, are we talking Bishop Gorman? Are we talking about high school? Uh, we know the XFL doesn't want that. They they didn't say, hey, we're going to Vegas for that, being the only stadium, or rather the only franchise in this league that's not playing at either a NFL stadium or a major college stadium, right? Where, what are the options? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there really aren't any. Uh, 
you know, Las Vegas ballpark at that point is going to be, they'll be have the big league weekend and they'll have right. uh, aviators game. So that stadium's going to be pretty well occupied. Uh, then you have, uh, you know, it could just happen. They, they might get stuck at uh, Cashman because, uh, um, you could you could put a football stadium out there, Cashman. It's not ideal, mm-hmm. but they play. You know the lights already play there, so mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it's already kind of set up for football if they, you needed to. Um, and but I think that's that's a last ditch sort of deal. Uh, it's, you know, if you're talking about pure facilities, Gorman would be better than Cashman, and probably even better than Las Vegas Ballpark. If we're talking about just for football, mm-hmm. uh, but. I just don't think you, if you're the XFL, you don't want one of your teams playing in a high school. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think eventually it's going to get done with with Allegiant. Um, I just I don't know what the holdup is, uh, but I I, I I I just think that's really the only viable option. And I, I just I have a hard time believing they make the, that they make this announcement without. That's pretty strong indication that that's where it's going to be. Yeah, and obviously they want to get ahead of this thing. They have the other seven teams all locked up. They have homes. They're progressing forward. I get that, and they figure, well, we got to, we, you know, we're not going to wait any longer because obviously the Raiders are kind of stringing them along. But uh, you're right; it is it is strange to say, okay, Las Vegas is a franchise, but uh, there's no home, and, and there might not be. Like you say, I mean, Cashman Field, I guess, wouldn't be. Horrible. I mean, it's not a Legion Stadium, but if you're the XFL and you're the Rock, and you know you got yourself a, a national television contract, yeah, you're really not gonna. Uh, you want to be there uh, or anywhere for it that. Just, it's just, yeah. it's horrible from an optics standpoint. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You, you just can't. Yeah, you can't have ESPN showing a game from from Cashman. It just wouldn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I think it will happen to Legion win. I don't know. I don't know when they'll, they'll finalize it, but I think it will happen. Mark Anderson joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Mark covers so many different aspects of uh, the city here, from uh, from sports to everything else, and uh, wrote a great article regarding the XFL naming Las Vegas as a new franchise despite not having a home to play their games, no team name, no team colors, nothing of that sort as of now. Mark, what is the survival rate of this, especially considering you had two failures in this league you, just as recent as last year where you played half of a season uh, you know, two years ago, and then they filed bankruptcy a year ago? What is the survival rate of this? And let's throw in the fact that the USFL hasn't drawn anybody to Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, I, I will say the one thing the XFL has kind of going for it is it's got the central ownership Um uh, I think that's probably smart to start out with. Uh, you don't have individual team motors, um, so you can run everything. You can be much more streamlined how you run everything. Uh, I think probably practicing, all the teams practicing in the same area is probably not a bad idea. Um, you don't want to make that long-term because you want the teams to feel like they're part of the community. If they're just coming for games, they really don't feel that way. Uh, but initially, I can I can understand that you're trying to get on your feet financially. Um, I you know I think what they're going to look at are TV ratings rather than so much some people in the, in the stands. I think it's what the USFL did. I think USL that's why it's why the US, USFL just played the games in Birmingham. They were just concerned about the TV ratings and and initially and uh, so I think that's the, the XFL's initial strategy too is just to see if they can get 
you know, get a lot of people just to watch, and if they feel like they put a good entertaining product on TV, then more maybe more people keep watching, and that will just that will just uh, grow the sport or grow you know, grow the game. And uh, but you know, I I have I have a, just sort of a natural skepticism when it comes to uh, spring football leagues. There's only been one I've seen that's been viable, and that was the USFL many years ago. Which actually had a pretty decent run, and I think would have kept going if they hadn't moved to the fall, which was just a major mistake, and sued the NFL, which was stupid also. Um, so if they had just kind of stayed to their game plan at the time, they might have just kept going for quite some time. So, uh, but I think, I, I think, I just don't think. Uh, as a, as a rule, I just don't think spring football general is works. But you know, maybe XFL surprises. No, I don't think so, Mark. I think you, you nailed it. I mean, the majority of our lifetime, we have seen spring football. Uh, so many, you know, different uh, renditions of it. And you mentioned it back in the '80s. You had a good run for a few years, but that was it. But you know, when you have so many of these that have failed, I think in the public's eyes it's like okay it's not going to work it doesn't seem right and you know they're going to think about the failures of the previous xfl and then even the current rendition of the usfl it's it's really not successful i mean when is it going to stop with this and and why do people continue to whether they're celebrities politicians or, or whatever want to get involved and think they're going to change the course of this i mean i just think it's embarrassing to continue to to throw this thing out there and think it's going to work because the track re- record is not good. Yeah, I, I, I just think there's an overestimation of, of how much football means in this country. Obviously, it's far and away the biggest sport, but the NFL has such a hold that every other pro league compares or pales in comparison. And, and, you, and the same with college football. You know, you, 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 that's the true minor league of the NFL is college football. So you, you're not going to establish another minor league or rival league or anything like that. You know, it does, every people are so emotionally invested in the NFL and so emotionally invested in their college team that, frankly, you don't you know enough. You don't really have enough left over for anything else in football. And I, I know I can speak for myself in that regard. I am so into the NFL season and the college football season that actually when it's over. As much as I miss football, I'm not actually kind of glad it's over <laughs> because you go through so much, uh, just you know, watching week to week to week, and uh, you kind of need that break a little bit. Uh, I think, and it's good to get into other sports like the NBA and college basketball and, and major league baseball. That it's just it's kind of nice. And then, to, so I think having a spring league almost feels like they're forcing something on you. Right. I agree with you. All right, Mark Anderson uh, joins us. Uh, quick take on the Raiders, uh, Mark. Uh, training camp underway. Uh, I don't know if uh, you've been out there yet. Uh, quick thoughts on what kind of season do we expect from the Raiders? You know what? I think they're probably better than they were last season, and they could still finish fourth. Uh, it's just that their division is that good. And and saying they're going to finish third or fourth is not a knock on the Raiders. It's, 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 it's how good the AFC West is. And I just... I, I, my suspicion is they'll probably finish third in the NFC West. I could see them squeezing into the playoffs, um, but it's just you know I think they could play really well and lose enough close games in the division alone where it knocks them out of the playoffs. Um, but they're going to be fun to watch. Uh, that, that offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch, um, and and it's just it's just every 
every divisional game is just going to be really something else, and and I think it's going to be. I think it should be a pretty fun season. UNLV, Marcus Arroyo, are are, are we are we buying or are we we done with this? What do you think happens? I think they'll be better. I think uh, they they lost so many close games last season. It seems like just a lot of averages. Would they might win a handful more? Um, I think they could make a run to for a bowl opportunity, a bowl uh, eligibility. Um, but I guess I'll have to see it to believe it in the long, you know, finally, you know, uh, I just, I just, I see them right around four wins. I think the line I've seen around three and a half to four. I think that's about right. I think four, four, four just sounds right to me. Um, I, I think their schedules in a, just weak enough where they have games they should win. Uh, and maybe they can steal a couple of games and get them to six wins. Uh, but but I just keep thinking, in my mind, I just keep thinking four wins. All right, Mark. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, following more of your coverage. Uh, appreciate it, as always. Get in line, Mark, and get your season tickets for the XFL. Even though we have no stadium, and a $50 deposit, Mark, will get you at least 20% off of the XFL shop, even though I don't know where it is. I think you have to go online for it. All right, brother. Appreciate you as always, man. All right. Thanks for having me on, TC. You take care of yourself. You too. All right. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talk a little XFL there. Coming to Vegas. I think. (laughs) Crazy stuff here. All right. Raiders and training camp. UNLV here as well, too. It's football season. No question about it. We come back, we're talking Major League Baseball. Ooh, yeah. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Cespedes will score, and the Oakland A's walk off with Game 2 of the ALDS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air, center field, that ball's hit well. Martinez on the run, this is way back, and it is gone! It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner! The doctor is now in... Nunchuck, you are not getting in. We cannot put you in. Come on, coach. You would be like lupus over in right field. You know who lupus is? Why can't I think of this? Um, <laughs> because you're too young. Bad News Bears. Oh, okay. Did you watch the Bad News Bears? Yes. I've watched all of them. I've watched the original and I've watched okay. the... You gotta, yeah. love, you gotta love lupus, man. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Lupus is great, man. Except uh, he, you know, had snot running out of his nose, had ketchup on his face, 
Uh, really couldn't catch a fly ball. Life uh, depended on it. However, he did catch one there at the end. And then when he caught it, then they played the song. Dun, 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 and I know you do watch some old <laughs> movies every, every, every once in a while. Yeah, the Bad News Bears is the best. There it is. <laughs> and I know that our next guest will agree with me. The greatest baseball movie of all time. Chris Bosio, what is it? What's going on, brother? What's, what's happening? Uh, just trying to help out around the house, you know. Yeah, that's about it. So you know, back to to major league. I know your boy Bob Euchre uh, was in that, and uh, I know you uh, you had some you had some time over there uh, on the set or off the set, didn't you? When they were making major league. Yeah, they actually moved into our clubhouse at County Stadium. Yeah, and um, I mean they basically took over downtown. They went to all our restaurants and little pubs and you know they went to Storman and Vooks. I mean it was a big thing and a couple of the the settings that they had they were asking for full fan participation and everybody that came to the game who wanted to be in the movie got in free. And if you remember those stadium the stadium was absolutely packed when they opened it up. Absolutely packed and the wild thing became prevalent and actually Charlie Sheen took over my locker and Dan Plezak's locker, who was right in between us. He took over that little corner. So now, wait a minute. How could Charlie Sheen get two lockers? I mean, he wasn't half the pitcher you or Plezak was. How does he get two? Well, one's a movie actor and one's a wannabe major league player. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's awesome. Yeah, Wild Thing had your locker. Uh, now, how did you take to that? And, and uh, who broke the news to you that that was going to happen? Tony Migliaccio, who's still there, the clubhouse guy, wow. he, he's like, "Oh my God!" He goes, "Look at," he goes, "Look at their their locker room layout." I'm like, "Well, what do they need? A, why do they need a locker room layout?" He goes, "Well, just like you guys, I guess Charlie Sheen's quite a diva, and he's got to have everybody in front of him." <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's true. Uh, Charlie Sheen. And they had to have. The, they had to have the right thing for uh, who's the Boku, who was the big the doll, um, yeah. Joe Boo. Yeah, yeah. They had to have the right setting for that, so he had to be like on the middle of the opposite wall of the clubhouse because it took up like three lockers. <laughs> this is fascinating stuff here. This is what people want to hear about, boss. For, forget about modern day Major League Baseball pennant races. Forget all that stuff. It's all about. It's all about Charlie Sheen and the Wild Thing taking up Chris Bosio's locker there in the clubhouse at Milwaukee's County Stadium. I mean, this is this is riveting stuff, man. Now, how long were they there, you know, taking up your space in in filming this? I want to say it was close to ten days because wow. we went on the road, and they had to remake County Stadium to make it look like Cleveland, right? Indians Park, right? So, I mean, we went on the road, and I. I remember Miggs talking to Miggs like, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. And they were showing some pictures 
of what it looked like at County Stadium. And it, it was amazing what they did. And, and we were all like, uh, can we keep the, the renovations up? Because they had fresh paint, fresh pads. And then, you, and then well, Seelig wanted everything down. He's like, we, we can't put all that stuff. You've got to take it all down. because Then, they're gonna, then we're going to have to do all kinds of improvements. <laughs> and they took all that brand new stuff down. Uh, True story. Yeah, it's a, that is amazing. Yeah. So here, this has always been my pet peeves, and I talk about it all the time, no matter what sport movie it is, that you go ahead and say that you're one location and you're filming it in another stadium. And we've seen that with some basketball movies. They're claiming to be Madison Square Garden. It wasn't. It was the L.A. Sports Arena or some other college venues. Just nonsense. Angels in the outfield. They tried to think that was Anaheim. It wasn't. It was the Oakland Coliseum that they did that nonsense. And same thing with Major League. So, Boz, tell me, why couldn't they have filmed that in Cleveland? I don't know if you know the answers to this or not. Then why Milwaukee? I mean, they could have gone anywhere else. Could have went Dodger Stadium. Could have kept it in California. Why Milwaukee instead of Cleveland? I think Bob Euchre had something to do with that. That if you're going to do this, then you're going to do this in County Stadium and everybody's going to know it's County Stadium. Mm-hmm. I think he had a little more pop back then and they really wanted him as a part of the movie because Euchre's, I mean, him and Bob Costas were the you know, the game in town. And I remember two years later, I pitched a playoff game when I was with, uh, might have been three years later, when I was with Seattle. And those guys announced the game, and we, we did the game of the week and a game we had to win against Texas to get the playoff game against the Angels, which Randy Johnson beat Mark Langston in that one-game playoff. So did Charlie? Like Euchre had, I think Euchre had a lot to do with that. That's that weird that they would do that because, I mean, Euchre's been in the – the press box and the broadcast booth at Cleveland or all these other stadiums, that seems you know, rather strange. And, but again, yeah, the, the, you got to do a lot of doctrine up to try to you know, fool people and make that look like you know, back in that day, Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Hey, I'm wondering from a, a standpoint like with Charlie Sheen and especially him being a pitcher, did any of you guys or did some other former pitcher work with him and you know, try to work with these actors to try to make them look like ball players, or even you know, spend oh, time came, and, they, and, t- yeah, and talk they, the talk with them. They came. They came out for early hitting. We had an off day, and there was an eleven o'clock workout of the stadium. They're like, "Hey, if you guys want to come down, a lot of these guys, you know, they're looking for some help." And we're like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> you know. So back back then, it was I think it was Midwest Express. Was the the airline? Yeah, right, right, yeah. And the, I can't remember the production company, but they said if you guys will do this, we'll pay for your your flight onto the next city. And we're like, wow, that's great because back then we didn't have private charters. Bud would not pay for them, <laughs> so everything was everything was commercial. So we got a private plane. We're like, yeah, we'll do it. So we got a chance to yes to work out with a bunch of those guys, and a lot of them. They're like, oh yeah, yeah this is, we. I played a little in high school. Nothing to it. And it's amazing what they can do to make guys look good in movies, <laughs> you know. Because some of those guys just could not, they couldn't hit. But Charlie Sheen, Charlie could pitch a little bit, you know. He, you can't hide that when it comes to mechanics and all that stuff. The velocity was a little different, but uh, you know, he he tried to go through the the whole thing, throwing bullpens. Tried to work on a breaking ball, and we're like, dude, you throw 100. Why are you working on a breaking ball? 
<laughs> Very nice. Exactly. And I'm sure, again, you know, in Hollywood, it made it, uh, made it look like he was throwing 100. But what what do you think he clocked in at, Boz? What, 62 probably? 60. I call it 60 poo. Exactly. Exactly. That guy's throwing 60, 60 poo. Uh, <laughs> Now, what about some of the other guys? I mean, did you get a chance to look at some of these other clowns? It's still not believable for me, like a guy like Corbin Birdson could play anywhere, and you're sticking this guy at the hot corner? I, I, oh I, I, think, he has, I think he has zero baseball acumen. You know what's funny about this is they, they were all intrigued with, you know, velocity and I can't believe how hard you guys throw and, you know, what's the key to all this? And I'm like, the key? I go, the key is, you know, obviously is trying to miss their bats. That's the huge key in this game. Well, how do you, how do you miss their bats? And I go, well, you, you don't try to hit them. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you stop from not being hit? And I go, well, Pete Bukovic always said either hit or be hit. That's your choice. And they go, what does that mean? I go, think about it. Hit or be hit. I go, you either hit somebody or they're going to hit you. And he goes, really? That's the model that you guys lived by? And I'm like, back in the day, in the 70s and the 80s, and even the early 90s, I go, the game was a lot different, a lot different from what it was. Because now, and you saw it, guys that throw at other guys and get suspended, I mean, you're, you're not missing one time through the rotation. You're missing like 10 days now. Right. Where before... They, they never even find you. They never even find you. Then it got to the point where, okay, now we're going to start making it hurt a little bit more. And we're going to put a three-day suspension on these guys for throwing at guys. At worst, it's going to screw up their rotation. Well, then, you know, the ownership, they didn't, they didn't like it because they said the penalty wasn't great enough, especially for the – that's when the, the terminology first division club thing came in. Because it seemed like the Yankees has a lot more to lose if Stanton gets hit and hurt and out for the year than say a Kansas City club. Okay, so then they—that's when they took it to five to seven games. If there was intent, you're going to miss a week. If it was one of those borderline, it's going to be minimum five days. But they were very inquisitive on a lot of that stuff, you know, like bats. Cork, cork in the bats. Um, how do you cheat? How do you how do you scuff a baseball? Is pine tar the rule? What is red juice? You know, I'm like, and we're like Gatorade. They're like, no. What's red juice? You know, how do you make the ball do that? What do they What do they talk about scuffing the ball? <laughs> we go out back by the batting cage. We throw a ball off the wall. We're like, you feel that on the baseball? How it's scuffed? I'm like, yeah. I go now. Try to throw it straight. They say, well, you can't. I go, well, now if you're not, now you're throwing a scuffed baseball. Yeah, but how do you get it in the game? Well, you just don't throw it out of play. <laughs> Catchers just throw it back to the pitcher. And it's just, they, they were so interested in the little things. You know, when I told them back in the day, the catchers, I'm, you know, they take the ball out of their glove, they go to their, their right shin guard, <laughs> scratch it, throw right. it to the pitcher. Now the ball's scuffed. Pitcher wouldn't have to have sand, you know, sandpaper or a, a stick or anything to cut the ball. The catcher did it all for you. Same thing with loading up with pine tar. I had a great conversation with Tony Pena about this in winter ball 
because I never used it. I never even, dude, I never threw a breaking ball until I got past double A. And when I got the winter ball, he's like, Poppy, you don't use the pine tar, you're never going to get to the big leagues. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, everybody got to get the sticky to make the ball break. And down the, down here in the winter ball, the, the winter ball, that's what they call it. The winter ball can help you. If you can't throw a breaking ball here for a strike, the big leagues have, have no good for you. I don't care how hard you throw. And you know what? That's how I learned. That's how I learned to pitch with scuffed baseballs and rosin and doing different things because, you know, it's, it's different when you pitch on the West Coast. And I know everybody probably listening right now is like, what are you talking about? There's West Coast conditions where you got red clay, hot temperatures, dry air. You got Midwest temperatures where there's a lot of humidity, thick air, ball goes nowhere. Then you got the, the East Coast where you get a combination of all the seasons. Florida, you're going to get the, the southern breeze, the wind. There's different elements everywhere you go in the country, and a lot of these teams, they position their minor league teams not necessarily the best maybe division to play in, but the best, best division to develop your players so they can get used to the other conditions. Because a lot of people ask, why in the world would they want to be in the Southern League when they're a West Coast team? Well, because a lot of those teams in the South, you're going to end up playing during the season. So it's very strategic when it comes to that stuff. But, you know, back to the major league guys, it just reminded me of how in-depth they really wanted information. And it was, it was, it was great because they took as much, uh, I think, care and and pride really pride into the character right they really yeah they were very prideful in everything that they did when they came to the stadium want to know every little detail that would help their character you know and i thought that was really cool yeah fast it helped helped me like the more you talk about baseball the more you're going to learn and to get some of our veteran players to open up in a a roundtable setting with movie stars and bob uecker sitting there imagine Paul Mulder, Robin Yount, Bob Uecker, Charlie Sheen, you know, just sitting around drinking beers after a workout, talking baseball. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff there. Uh, Chris Bosio talking about uh, his time with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, in the movie Major League uh, there in, in County Stadium. Great stuff. And hopefully, Boz, you got some red carpet treatment and, and you got passes to the premiere. No, I didn't. <laughs> you guys were on the road, okay. though. I mean, you guys were in the middle of the season, you know, probably when, yeah. when that thing came out. We, but. You know what? They, they they more than made up for it with a Hollywood party when we went to the West Coast. There you go. I'll just say that. There you go. Yeah, they more than, they more than made up for it. Trust me. <laughs> Great stuff. Chris Bosio joins us. Okay, Boz, I don't know if you heard the news, but uh, we got Major League Baseball tinkering with more changes. Have you heard about the, the pie slice? That is happening as we speak now in single A and double A. We got the pie slice. Are, are you hip to that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, lemon meringue, uh, peach, apple. You know, what's your favorite pie, Boz? I'm a pecan pie guy. A pecan pie. I, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that Major League Baseball is now toying and testing the pie slice. Banning the infield shift, uh, 
And they are doing this in the Florida State League where they're limiting the defensive shifts by drawing chalk lines in the shape of a pie from second base to the outfield grass. The pie slice prohibits infielders from the marked areas before the pitch is thrown. Too many balls, Boz, in the past would be hits, as we know, that are now outs. That's not good enough for Major League Baseball. They want runs. They don't want defense. They don't want strategy. We got pie slice. That's what we got, my friend. And could be coming to the Major League soon. Yeah, why don't you just tell us what you want the score of the games to be before we play them? (laughs) Insane. Insane the membrane. Come on, man. Okay, the shift. I, I can't even. I can't even respond to that. I mean, that's unbelievable. Well, Boz, why the need to ban the shift? Why the need? Why? Why the need for any of this stuff? Thank any you. of it. That's what I don't understand. Is you're you're messing with stuff that's been laid out 100, 120 years before us. Who are we to make changes like that? Who is anyone to make changes like that? I mean, you're now you're you're talking about the integrity of the game. Well, one year you're going to allow shifting, and the next year you're not. How's that going to affect Hall of Fame people? How's that? It affects All Star people. There's so many different layers of people this affects: pitchers, hitters, catcher, everybody, defensive, you know, ability as far as you know, range. All of this. I'll say it's crap. You can play, you can play. Just just play. Just play the game. You want to shift, shift. I don't care. You got to be a better hitter to be able to hit to the opposite field. That's the way I look at it. Right. Don't don't start making don't start making all these changes to the game that you, you have no business making. You're not that big. Nobody wants you to be that big. Nobody's asking you to do this. Players will figure it out. Let the players try to figure it out. But boss, why are we give, not seeing? Why are we not seeing hitting coaches and managers, uh, uh, teaching players? I mean, come on, we, we we were taught this stuff in little league for goodness sakes, high school, how to go the opposite way, go with the pitch, lay down bunts. It is amazing that uh, that we never see this type of of attack mode anymore. Like a guy cannot hit the opposite way. Tell me why. Why is this not happening? Is, is it does it go down? Are we just not instructing it in the bigs or in the minors, the instructional league. That's where it's going, right there. Isn't it insane? It's going though? all the way down. Well, these guys are drafted because of launch angle. If they don't have launch angle, they better have velocity, whether it's across the infield or on the mound. That's basically it. Let me ask you this. You were a pitcher, okay, but still, you were a great hitter. I see I'm giving you your, your due, okay, even though you weren't against me, okay, in high school, okay. But could you go the opposite field? Could you go to right field? Yes. Yeah, so of dude, course. Our first two two rounds, if you did not hit a, if you hit a ball to the left of second base in those first seven swings, you, you're out of the cage. There you go. He would not let you finish your round. Anderson, that's how Anderson won 800 games as a head coach. He made you go the other way. We had deliberate plays on. As soon as the guy get on base, it was a, literally a mandatory. You had to hit behind the runner. If he gave you that sign, it was usually a hit and run. 
And most most of the time, all we had to do was make contact because Guy's whole thing was just get – if we got one infielder moving, perfect. If we can get two, even better. Right, right. That's how we took advantage of clubs because we put the ball in play and we made contact and we didn't strike out a lot. It wasn't that we bashed the ball all over the park. How, how do you feel about the pitch clock? Again, the pitch clock's <laughs> going to take care of itself. I mean, it's, we're, we're talking about it, this is ridiculous stuff. How many? No, no pitchers are going to want to stay out there for thirty seconds anyway. There you I mean, go. There's a dr- there's a drill that I do with my pitchers that's called six and sixty. That's six pitches in sixty seconds, and a lot of a lot of kids or even college guys are like, man, that's it's pretty quick. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're probably going to be able to get like eight in or 10. He goes, yeah, but the hitter. And I go, but you, if you're on the mound waiting, what's the umpire going to do? He goes, still, but you got to make the hitter. I go, you're making excuses. Get on the mound, be ready to go. And if you work at this pace, you'll be able to work at a quick pace. And you're going to be able to draw swings from the hitter that you'd never be able to get because of your tempo. You're going to make him in a hurry. You're going to make him rush. But if you do this slow, I'm going to throw three pitches in 60 seconds, that's like going up to the batting cages and sticking a quarter in your pocket and peeing off. So when you were, as a pitching coach, how many of your guys, percentage, however you want to say it, that really struggled with pace in in taking too long to deliver pitches? And and how did you address that? Or did you address that? Well, I did address. I addressed it. I said we, as a pitching staff, there's one thing we're going to do, and that's going to be we are going to control the tempo of the game. Starting pitchers, pitchers in general, have the ability to let everybody know when they're going to go home, when the game is going to start. And I go, we are going to control everything. We're going to play quick. We're going to play fast. And it's not going to be two out of the first three. Everybody knows about two of the first three pitches for strikes. I want I want four or fives because if you start thinking four or five, then you start having single digit innings. We call those Heinz catch up innings. You get it? Catch up in yes. the pitch count. Yes, yes, yes. Where's the drum? Where's my drum? Uh, Come I, on, guys, I, I, num- wake up! Numbchuck fell asleep. Come on, Numbchuck. I mean, ah man, that was, was Numbchuck. I'm struggling as it is to get material, and you're falling asleep <laughs> on me. Come on, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome, but that's but that's how we did it. Yes, I did address it because it's something that was huge for us. Because I wanted to put every team we faced, either home or road, at a disadvantage. Always trying to be on the defense, trying to slow everything down. Because once you start slowing things down, people start thinking too much, and when people start thinking too much, then the advantage shifts. You know what the problem was uh, with Numchuck there, boss. He was oh. he was on the pitch clock and it didn't expire yet. See, I got one. <laughs> he has to give you one. <laughs> batting averages, an all-time low, boss. It's ridiculous. We're seeing leadoff hitters that are batting 200. We're seeing guys in the three-hole that are batting like 242, 247. It's like, oh wow, this is good. But on the flip side, we have 21 starting pitchers that have ERAs under three. Now, that seems like a lot, all right? Wait, wait. So are the batting averages low, strikeouts up because the pitchers have really been that dominant, 
or not? Because I'm still seeing these ham and eggers that are, you know, out here in Glen Auto and the whole Boston Red Sox pitching staff and these ham hogs out there with ERAs of over six. What's what's going on here, man? You are. This is the survival of the fittest right now. You're, and and, and you see it all over baseball. Dude. Some of these guys that are getting starts, I I have no idea who these guys are. I have no idea where they came from. But if you look at all the teams that have an opportunity to go into the playoffs, okay, these are these are fifty percent guys. So every night they pitch, you can toss a coin up in the air and you got a 50% chance to win or lose. The other guys that these guys have, they're three out of five guys. That means they think they can win three out of the next five. So if they're basically rolling the dice on a two-game series every time, that means they're winning four out of five games or four out of six at worst. That's how you structure a pitching staff. When you start doing matchups for the next series and the series after that, I always like to throw my guys out there first to see how the other team would respond with our matchups. Because I always felt like if I put my matchups out there first for a series, I could dictate anything. And then I can hand that to Joe Madden and go, okay, now, now you can line up your hitters and the catching righty lefty and everything after we get. And a lot of times we could force, other teams to do stuff that they didn't want to do because we went with Kyle Hendricks, a sophomore and righty after Jake Arrieta deliberately. We went hard righty, soft righty because we knew the numbers were in our, in our advantage for sinker cutter. And then coming back with change up that year, we won the world series. I, I'll never forget this dude. We had 18, three game winning streaks. With John Lester, Jake Garrietta, and Kyle Hendricks, the same guys who pitched game five, six, and seven for us, right. ended the season for us. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, and I knew if we could get to that, we're gonna, we were going to be fine. I, I honestly, I had a calm about me, and I told Theo the same thing. I go, if we can, if we can win, John, start at home, we can do this. Because mm-hmm. I know what Jake's going to do. I know where he's at, and I, Kyle's ready to go. You know, and it is just amazing. The numbers are there. You just got to look. The numbers are there, you did, and you just got to find them. You know, and that's what's going on with Major League Baseball now, because now you've got now you got 162. You got full rosters. Teams aren't taking advantage of 40 man rosters. They're going another 10 deep. You know, they're using some of these other guys that might be on the 40 man the following year. Because now the playoffs, there's so much more money involved in the playoffs. Chris Bosio joins us, uh, talking a little Major League Baseball. Boz, on that thought, I want to use the Astros as an example, and our good friend Dusty Baker, of course. The Astros have gone to a six-man rotation, and I think it's worked great. I've never been a fan of this in the past, but he is getting the most out of these guys because probably they are well-rested. And you see what, what Verlander's done this year, you know, coming off the Tommy John surgery, basically hadn't pitched nearly in two years. He's been fantastic. But then all these other guys are 
are having great years with Framber Valdez and Christian Javier, and the list kind of goes on and on. Now you kind of throw Jake Odorizzi in there, and it's like, eh, okay. But then you got a guy like Lance McCullers who has missed the entire season. He's getting ready to come back. So now you're going to have seven guys. Talk a little bit about how this is working for the Astros, and are you kind of a proponent in this situation with it? And then here's the other part, too, that I like to point out, is that these guys are battling for playoff rotation now. Because obviously you're not going to do this when you get to the postseason. You're going to settle on four guys as your starters. So you've got competition amongst the guys, and it just it, it, it gives keeps your arms fresh, and it gives your guys a, a, a great chance to win every day. Yeah, you're the way we. I would look at it, especially with Houston. It's it's not four guys. It's TC. It's seven because you're going to have your your regular four guys if it goes that length, and then you're probably going to have three guys that piggyback behind them, and with the rest making up your left right specialties or closers or setup guy, which takes it to like ten or eleven guys in that first round. They're always going to cover themselves in case there's a quick blowout. And they're not going to let the starting pitcher go out there and give up seven or eight runs because games like that can be won if you get your starter out of there and say like an Odorizzi or a Framber Valdez or whomever can go in there and give you three innings and give your offense a chance to put a couple crooked numbers up there and get back in a game. Because I'm, I'm telling you, something weird is going to happen again this year. I'm not saying last year with Atlanta being weird, but something like that, it's just lining up that way again where who knows what's going to happen. And all it takes is one series to screw up an entire season for somebody. And I was a part of one of those years with Seattle, the year we won 116 games. And we went into Yankee Stadium. They swept us. Right. Absolutely just couldn't, couldn't believe it happened. And I think this this is where we're looking at one of these years. Just because the Yankees have sprinted out to a lead, you know, the thing that the Yankees have done, which I've liked, is they've overcome some injuries along the way already. But they're battle-tested, like with Houston. And, I mean, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's looking like the same teams again. I mean, there's just doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of change. I mean, you might have those extra teams that might get in. Like last year, Seattle missed them by a game. Well, because of the new format, Seattle might have a chance to get in now. Mm-hmm. All those teams that were a game or two out of the playoff last year are now going to, are going to be in because of the money, again, that is at stake for the playoffs and the teams. And they know that if they go to the playoffs, you know, the residuals on that's $50, $60 million right. for the next five, six years in, in season ticket sales. That's why they did it. All right, my man. Uh, great stuff, as always. Uh, talking movies with you. The experience firsthand. Uh, the pitching. The crazy rules that we're talking about. And uh, what to look forward to in the second half of the season. Always great, Boz. Appreciate you, brother. Be good, and we'll talk real soon. All right, you guys, take care. All right, go have a slice of pie, some pecan pie today. Do that. I wish well, I had some. Yeah. I wish I had some. It'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And next time when you sit down with that fork and that pie, 
you can think about this conversation and shake your head about what's happening in minor league baseball right now. Numbchuck. Is Numbchuck in speaking range right here? Yeah, he is, but we rarely let him have the mic, as you well know. Yes, but go ahead. sir, Mr. Bazio, sir. <laughs> how, how do you how do you do it? How do you put up with him all day long, Numbchuck? Oh, there's many days. I just want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. You guys have a good one. <laughs> Boz, get to Vegas so we can get you in studio, man. In uh, studio, on location, brother. It's time for a trip to Vegas, and you know that I'm right, all right? Yeah, it's time. It is. Take care, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Bye. There he is, Chris Bosio. One of the best. No-no back in the day with Seattle. And, again, pitching coach for several teams, including those Chicago Cubs in 2016, World Series champions. And, again, don't let anybody fool you. Bosio was running that show with the Cubs. Joe Madden was the manager. And people always talk about – the managers and who you starting and you know making these moves. Boz made those moves. And if you could read in between the lines, he would go to Joe and say, This is what our rotation's going to be. That's the way it was. And that's really kind of the job of the pitching coach. A lot of people think the pitching coach is just the guy that kind of babysits the pitchers or works with them, works on their delivery and their pitches and that sort of thing. Now, a good pitching coach is in tune with that manager, and they work in unison together and set up the series and the pitchers, and especially in-game stuff. I mean, we know the pitching coach has a lot of say in-game, okay? But an experienced pitching coach like Chris Bosio was, tremendous. Big reason why the Cubs did what they did in 2016 and defeated the Cleveland Indians and won that World Series. First time in 108 years. All right. We're back with more. On the other side, we've got some audio from Devontae Adams, Raiders training camp update. Next, you'll hear from the newest wide receiver of the Las Vegas Raiders. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. In. Brown, 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 Bill. All right, reminder that uh, I'll be heading out a little vacation time, going out to Houston, Minute Maid Park. Looking forward to that all next week. So Friday, we got uh, a best of show. And then we got uh, our guest hosts that are taking over next week. Uh, TJ Reeves, Monday and Wednesday. And then Tuesday and Thursday, my man Joe Arrigo will be filling in. So there we go. We got guest hosts next week. Another best of the following Friday as well. And I will return uh, a week from Monday. So, badly needed vacation. Numchuck doesn't think so. But we all need vacations. And this is when I normally take my time off during this time. Because as we know, no days off come football season. As we know. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And you never know, Numchuck. I mean, I, I may be giving you a phone call if our guest hosts want me to, to chime in from Minute Maid Park. We can do that. I'm so- going to hang up on you in a heartbeat. <laughs> You're going to be calling me. I wouldn't be calling you because, and and again, I'm not even sure I would pick up the phone. So you got to remember that. Good. Yeah. Good. Jeez. Man. 
What you, sounds like it sounds like we're a bad married couple, Mister. I like. need a freaking vacation. Yeah, everybody needs vacation. You know, some guys take two and three weeks off during the year. So when was take, the last time I took any time on. off? I, I it, people know they've been listening to the show for all these years. They know I'll take a shot usually in in June and July. That's a, that's about it. Here it is. I don't think I took any time off in June. And plus, I got other duties too. I got other shows. I got I got aces. I got going on. We got playoff games coming on the road. Got a couple road games to close the regular season. So you might be on your own a little bit more. There you go. Thank God. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, go to Raiders training camp and let's hear from Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams got a chance uh, to give some thoughts in his uh, one of his first press conferences uh, since he signed. This is his first press conference. Uh, that uh, he addressed everyone after the first couple days uh, of practice. Here's Devontae Adams talking about his first days as a member of the Raiders. Yeah, it's been smooth. It's been smooth. It's, uh, it's obviously it's, it's different anytime you change places, but as I've been enjoying it. It's been, it's been really cool. Teammates, I mean, welcomed me with open arms right out the gate. Um, obviously, a lot of familiar faces, too. Got some, some old coaches that I was around. Mo, um, Cade is one of the guys that's, uh, that helped out in Green Bay as well, so seeing him. Um, Tyler Lancaster, Kyler Fackrell, a couple guys that I knew already, and obviously Derek too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's got got a warm welcome from the guys, and the coaches have been great too. So it's been it's been great. All right, definitely scenery change. Devontae Adams spent his entire career with the Green Bay Packers before coming to the Raiders this offseason. Another guy that he didn't mention, though, who is here in Edgar Bennett, uh, one of my great guys. Edgar, great uh, running back for the Green Bay Packers back in the day. And uh, EB was the running backs coach for the Packers and then also wide receivers coach. And then he, he came you know, here to Oakland, or rather came here to Las Vegas uh, a couple years ago. And uh, so he's reunited with Devontae Adams as well, too. So uh, pretty cool. Devontae Adams talking about getting comfortable with Josh McDaniel's offense. Uh, I mean, we got a long way to go, man. Uh, it's a. Uh, I'm feeling really comfortable, you know, as of now, about as comfortable as you can be at this point. But um, we still got a lot to learn, a lot, a lot to work on, and just trying to trying to build off what we what we kind of did in the in the spring. All right, and Devonta Ams did partake in those OTAs uh, during the spring and also in June as well too. The the mandatory mini camp. Uh, but now he is here in Las Vegas, training camp underway, and he talks about uh, what he would like to establish here as a member of the Raiders. I mean, just just thinking about the bigger picture, just just chasing you know uh, a better me, and uh, you know obviously trying to be there and be the best teammate that I can to um, you know help this team win as many games as possible. You know that's that's been my mentality. I've never been the type of guy to be complacent or be um, you know content in the in the spot that I'm at. I always feel like I can get better, and I, I know I can get better. So. So that's always been my mentality. All right, for Raider fans that don't know Devontae Adams, he is not a diva. Uh, the guy is an exceptional wide receiver. You know that, but he's also a great teammate uh, as well, too. And uh, he'll give credit to his teammates. And as we know, this Raiders wide receiver room is pretty locked and, and, and loaded, even though they're a pretty young core. Hunter Renfro re-signed. And then there's Darren Waller at the tight end position. Here's Devontae uh, talking about uh, Darren Waller. That guy like that motivates me every time he hits the field. I mean, you see what he's accomplished, um, you know, 
the just the, what he's capable of and all of that, um, you know, it, it pushes you. You know, you, you know, you can't be on the outside, especially as a receiver, as fast as that dude is. It makes you feel like, you know, you got to run as hard as you can on every every route that you that you got out there. So, you know, whether it's freeing him up or he's freeing me up to, you know, be able to get the ball as well. So, we kind of all feed off of each other. Um, and same with you know Hunter, D. Rob, rest of the guys. I mean, we got a lot of guys that um, got a lot of talent. So, you know, I, I'm out here just trying to make sure I'm here for my brother. All right, he's there for uh, Derek Carr, and that is why he is here. He wanted to come here and be reunited with his uh, college quarterback at Fresno State. But, you know, back to the wide receivers, uh, it is a group that could be very, very good. And with an anchor like Devontae Adams, that is going to make this team much better and a bigger threat. Here is Devontae Adams talking about the wide receiver group. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. You got to be, you know, kind of well versed as a as a wideout group, and um, you know, you can't just have a bunch of speed or a bunch of size. You got to kind of be able to hit all the bases, and you know, um, a lot of guys that understand the position as well too. It's not just about the the skill set, but the the mental part of the game is is something that is really tough to teach. You know, as a, from a coach or you know even a player that's been doing it for a while. So that coming in and seeing that that's really impressive. You know, especially you know considering the the age of a lot of these guys. It's a really young room, so. Um, having guys like that to understand how to how to you know set people up and and you know how to how to find zones and and understanding why you know what is important outside release on on this or why it's important to do this you know on the inside um, it's a it, it makes it a lot easier for me as a as a vet coming in trying to trying to teach guys when especially when I still got a lot to learn so um, yeah it's been fun it's something you can always get better at and I like to think that one of my best attributes is my my mental approach and my understanding of the game of football especially you know obviously my position. So, um, you know, anytime you have a bunch of guys that also understand what they're doing, um, you know, it just makes it that much easier on the coaches and the quarterback. Devontae Adams uh, talking about the wide receiver room, the wide receiver group uh, with the Raiders. Okay, so obviously the talk uh, around the Raiders facility and, of course, the national media the last few days was Devontae Adams' comments that he made in a different interview that was outdoors at the facility with the Raiders uh, going back about five days ago when he was talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. People are always going to ask him to try to compare the two because he's played with both, you know, played with Carr, obviously, in college, and, of course, leaving Green Bay. And why did he leave Green Bay? Well, Devontae Adams made a comment that I know that he wants to take back uh, because people misconstrue this. And we played this yesterday, and we're going to hit it again because this was part of this press conference when he was uh, you know, talking to the media. He was saying that basically going from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer. So people heard that, and they said, what do you mean? You're talking about Derek Carr? You're calling Derek Carr a Hall of Famer? He's not a Hall of Famer. He's a guy that you know hasn't won a, a playoff game yet. And Devontae wanted to clarify himself and saying, hey, I misspoke, did not mean it that way. But, of course, the media, uh, the national media, really, you know, running with this. And if you listen to what, you know, Derek Carr, or rather uh, Devontae Adams is saying here regarding his his buddy, uh, Derek Carr, it makes sense. But, of course, people taking this out of contest. Here is Devontae Adams addressing his previous comments, uh, which, like I said, the media took out of context, comparing Rodgers to Carr. Let me say this, just so this can be everywhere as well. Um, and being a rapper is is very vital. I say one of the you got to have the bars. Obviously, you know you got to have the bars. You got to have the lines got to be there. But a very very vital and critical piece of being a rapper is the delivery, right? 
I wasn't a great rapper the other day. What I'm not going to do is take away from that statement because why, why, why is Derek not a, a Hall of Famer, you know? But what I, what I meant, I left one key word out of there because it's, that's not exactly what I meant, but I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and, and why not? I mean, you know, people can, can say that about this guy, that guy. What I would say is, does he have the, the MVPs right now? You know, no. Does he has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. You know, that's obviously what we're what we're chasing. But what I meant to say was, even if you go Hall of if you go even Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. You know, I meant like even if it is Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, there's going to be an adjustment. I wasn't saying Hall of Famer Aaron to Hall of Famer Derek. So I'm not retracting my statement at all. <laughs> like I said, I, Derek's career. Proves to honestly, you look at the numbers that he's had, and you know what he's had to work with, and the, the adversity that he's had, uh, you know, in Oakland and coming to Vegas, and the type of stuff that's been going on here in the past. Which, you know, hopefully we're putting all that stuff to bed. But um, that, uh, yeah, I didn't deliver that message the way that I had in my head. So later, when I saw it written out, it kind of made my stomach drop a little bit because I was like, "Oh God, here we go, man! I can't wait for people to blow this up. They take everything I say, and we're the only team in camp right now." But yes. But like I said, what I'm not going to do is say Derek is not going to be a Hall of Famer because at the end of the day, I believe, you know, this is not putting any expectations or any added pressure on him because, you know, he puts all that that type of pressure on himself because of what he expects, you know, um, every time he touches the field. But, um, yeah, I did not mean to say exactly that. I'm going to reiterate, even if you go from Hall of Famer to even another Hall of Famer, it's going to be an adjustment. Anytime you change quarterbacks is what I was getting at. So take that and run with it, do whatever you got to do. And then he exited. Uh, well spoken by Devontae Adams in, in explaining himself uh, there. And like I said yesterday, what you're going to find out about Devontae Adams, he will tell it like it is. But if you start misconstruing things, and you know, then uh, he might not talk to you. But uh, no, good stuff there for explaining himself uh, regarding that. And the bottom line is this. He played with Aaron Rodgers. That chapter is behind him. He is here because he wants to play with Derek Carr and believes that the Raiders can be a perennial playoff team. And he wants to spend the rest of his career here in Las Vegas, back on the West Coast, and be there for his brother, as he calls him, Derek Carr. All right, good stuff there from Devontae Adams. All right, I want to thank Mark Anderson for joining us, Las Vegas Review Journal, talking about the XFL coming to Las Vegas. Also, Chris Bosio, great stuff from him, uh, talking about Major League Baseball and uh, talking about uh, a flashback there for his time back in Milwaukee with the Major League crew. We're talking about the movie of Major League, Charlie Sheen and Company. Great stuff with that. That will be up on the website a little bit later on. Have yourself a good day. We appreciate it as always. And don't forget to join us again tomorrow here at 2. Miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com.